Hey y'all, it's JJ. Just a heads up that today's episode is going to be explicit. As much as we'd love to teach your children new words to share at school, we recommend that you wear headphones if any kids are around. I'm not going to lie, I would have run this fucker over. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're going to come at my car with a golf club, then I will hit you with my car. <laughs> <laughs> like, buy the ticket, take the ride. Here you go. I'm getting away. <laughs> yes, absolutely fuck around and find out. Welcome to Lawyers Behaving Badly, where we will never run out of topics to discuss because lawyers are out wilding in these streets. I'm JJ. And I'm Karen Delaney. In this episode, I am so excited to get back to our roots with a lawyer that behaved very badly. But first, hot topics. Hot topics. I was looking for things to talk about in hot topics, and something happened across my vision on Twitter. And I think it's no secret that you and I spend some amount of time each day on Twitter, and we are often discussing Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter and all the decisions and things that have happened as a result of that. But Someone posted a video of Elon, and it doesn't say what year it is, I can't remember, but relatively recent because it's SpaceX. And he's talking about how we have a no asshole policy at SpaceX. <laughs> which <laughs> Is there an asterisk on that? Or? Yeah, no asshole policy for certain people. And I honestly, it's literally just a clip. I don't know who's interviewing him because it's just the camera's just on him. But he's like, we have a no asshole policy at SpaceX. And if you're an asshole, you get written up and then you'll be fired for it. And the reporter is like, that's so visionary. And (laughs) he was like, yeah, it is. And I just, first of all, it's not visionary. There's a book called. There's a whole book (laughs) that I read probably in like 2009. Yes. (laughs) Called the no asshole rule. That's written by, I don't know where he is now, but I think at the time he was a professor at Stanford's business school. Yeah. It's visionary in the sense that he's using the exact book written by another person. And at the same time, here he is talking about the no asshole rule when Last week, he's sending emails to Twitter employees at 2 a.m., telling them that at 8 a.m. the next morning, they have to report to a physical Twitter office or they're fired. When they've been working remote, I mean, they have a huge remote work culture there. Yeah, he's been, I think this is important context, he's been spinning out as a complete asshole on Twitter since the purchase went through for the whole world to see. And it's been just a really extraordinary conflagration. It's been, on the one hand, it's made Twitter terrible. And on the other hand, it's endlessly entertaining. And I feel bad saying that, but gosh, there's something new every day. And let me ask you this. Would you get in a Tesla? No, sure wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think what we're seeing, I mean, we have a front row seat to how Twitter is being managed right now. And I think for context... For those who may not have heard, and this is not even going to be a complete summary because we could spend the rest of our episode talking about this, but Elon takes over. There are accounts that are verified on Twitter, like on most other social media. There are important reasons for doing that. I mean, beyond just avoiding fraud, avoiding impersonation, you don't want people tweeting as 
state actors, governments, things like that. Mm -hmm. But it could also be basic safety. Like I saw somebody who I think was maybe a former child actor or something who said he didn't actually use Twitter, but he got verified because he kept getting reports from parents Mm -hmm. who there were creeps trying Mm -hmm. to contact their children claiming to be him. Elon gets on board and he's like, hey guys, I got this genius idea for eight bucks. We're going to verify everybody, which led to people creating all sorts of fake accounts to hilarious results, including a fake Tesla account that said something to the effect of, well, we know all about crashing and burning. (laughs) I think my favorite was the fake SpaceX one that was like, the whole reason we're here is because he heard your dick is bigger on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Which, when they started making fun of Elon, all of a sudden, they stopped the pain for verified accounts. It was pretty incredible. So so they walked that back very quickly. And I think they also lost a whole bunch of advertiser revenue because you can imagine brands were like, well, I don't really want to pay for advertising on Twitter when somebody can impersonate my account. Like somebody impersonated the Nintendo account with a picture of Mario flipping off the camera or something like that. But then Elon also does this stuff where, like JJ said, he cancels remote work effectively on no notice, which is kind of (laughs) problematic, fires people publicly, Mm -hmm. began firing people who I guess had been expressing dissent on internal Slack channels. And my understanding is that Twitter has always encouraged a a culture of dissent because in theory, that strengthens your products and makes sure that your ideas are more well thought out if everybody thinks they can candidly express themselves in a safe environment. And Elon was like, LOL, no, that's over. (laughs) Um, And started firing people, engaging with right-wing Twitter accounts Mm -hmm. very, very publicly. I mean, he has, I think, 15 million followers and has been tweeting in a really kind of jokey, chummy fashion, in particular with one account that's called Libs of TikTok. I think that's it, which has incited violence against children's hospitals. Children's (laughs) hospitals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there have been bomb threats at children's hospitals because Libs of TikTok, six people on them. So just overall, not a good situation. And I love that he supposedly had a no asshole rule. <laughs> Big <laughs> yeah, fat yeah, asshole. Exactly. I saw him today. He was tweeting about FTX and what a bad guy Sam Bankman Fried was. And I was like, don't you try and turn the main character away from you. Like we all right. see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you bought the main character factory and now you're going to be the main character perpetually. So that was that was something that brought me a little joy today. So we love it. <laughs> I'll let you kind of take the lead on our yeah, main our, topic today. Our story today comes from New Jersey, and it's about a lawyer who I'm going to call Larry. I'm not using real names here because although I did find out about this from a single news article, nobody in involved in this situation as a public figure and their specific identity isn't really important here. But Larry was licensed in New Jersey in the 80s. And according to his website, he does bankruptcy, criminal law, family law, and personal injury. And our story begins in 2014 when Larry had a little road rage incident involving a 21-year-old woman that we will call Stephanie. And according to Stephanie, she breaks suddenly to avoid a deer. And Larry must have been behind her because he began to tailgate her aggressively is the word that's used in the disciplinary documentation. Then she came to stop at an intersection. If you're Larry, what do you do? (laughs) Am I me or am I Larry? Because clearly, (laughs) clearly Larry and I are making different decisions. If I'm me, I'm sitting behind there and I'm thinking, 
and I do absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to guess Larry didn't do that. (laughs) Larry got out of his car. He popped open his trunk, pulled out a golf club because of course. Of course. I can't think of anything more stereotypical. (laughs) And he began whacking on Stephanie's trunk with this golf club. I mean, I got all of this from the disciplinary review board of the Supreme Court of New Jersey that their records, these records are public. And they noted that some facts were disputed. But Larry apparently admitted that he got out of his car, quote, probably wanting to hurt someone. I would say even worse than that. (laughs) Again, this is because someone broke for a deer in the road. (laughs) Right. Like, I mean, she basically, she kind of brake checked him to avoid a deer. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And according to the disciplinary review board, when Stephanie tried to drive away, Larry threw his golf club at her car, actually managed to hit it. Then he goes and he grabs the club again because he's not satisfied. (laughs) And he walks up to her car. And he agreed during this hearing that he could see and hear Stephanie crying and trying to explain herself. I mean, you can imagine that this poor woman must have been absolutely terrified. Who among us wouldn't be crying and like terrified? I'm not going to lie, I would have run this fucker over. I mean, if you're going to come at my car with a golf club, then I will hit you with my car. (laughs) (laughs) Like, buy the ticket, take the ride. Here you go. I'm getting away. (laughs) Yes, absolutely fuck around and find out. And Larry, I guess, said during this whole incident, this could have been my daughter and this is a lesson. You don't go running people off the side of the road. And I don't really understand. (laughs) Well, that's what I don't understand is like, is this some sort of weirdly abusive paternal thing where she's a young woman and he's like, that could have been you. Or he's thinking, Oh, she, my daughter could have been driving my car and she may have been injured. Who knows? But either way, maybe it's not your place to teach random people on the road lessons, (laughs) Larry. But in addition to the damage to the car, Stephanie said she obviously was really upset she was unable to sleep because she was afraid that this absolute psychopath might know where she lived. And as a result of this, Larry was indicted for criminal mischief and third degree possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose, which is the <laughs> golf club. <laughs> I hope it was like a Titleist or something. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, Larry enters a pretrial intervention program in 2015. Are you familiar with those? Passingly familiar, yes. (laughs) It's basically, we don't want to send you to jail for this. We are going to have you pay a fine. You usually do some anger management classes. Or, you know, maybe if it's a DUI, you go through some sobriety program Mm -hmm. or something like that. But, I mean, essentially, it's intended to keep people out of jail, which is a good thing. And pretty standard fare. He did have to pay a fine. He had to do anger management classes. but. As part of that program, he also had to agree to refrain from filing complaints against Stephanie because he filed two criminal complaints against her, (laughs) both of of which a municipal, yes, both of which a municipal court dismissed. So they're like, not only do you need anger management classes, please stop harassing the woman you victimized on the side of the road. (laughs) As a result of this, 
In 2017, about three years later, the Disciplinary Review Board of the Supreme Court of New Jersey recommended that his license to practice law be suspended for three months. And that was one of the things that really interested me about this whole thing was just how long it takes for the disciplinary process to play out. A large part of that recommendation seems to have been driven by what they did in previous cases, including an attorney who beat up a taxi driver, another attorney who in a road rage incident used a baseball bat to beat up another driver's car. He didn't have a golf club in his trunk. (laughs) Apparently not. He was unprepared for the situation. So the disciplinary review board is like, okay, three months is cool. Seems right. That letter is written in March 2017, but it takes until late May 2017 for the Supreme Court to actually enter the order Mm -hmm. suspending Larry's license to practice law. Boom, they suspend him from the practice of law for three months beginning June 22nd, 2017. And that's actually kind of important. I was about to say, you're saying these specific dates, so I have a feeling they're going to come into play. (laughs) And for non-lawyers, the suspension means you don't get to lawyer. You're just on ice for three months. And can you imagine- Consider it like unpaid leave of lawyering. (laughs) It is. I mean, what do you think you would do during those three months? (laughs) I mean, I would- (laughs) That's a good question because it's not like you're earning a living during those three months. It's not like I'm going to be out at yoga classes every day. I don't know. I think I'd just sit around at home. <laughs> I think it's a good time to sleep in. I might organize my spice rack, get rid of everything that's expired in the pantry. My pantry is in dire need of reorganization. Like I might, that would be me. Yeah. So if you ever get suspended, I Yeah, exactly. One. Those linen closets will be spotless. Yeah. I might seek some therapy if I were Larry. No, um, no, Larry's not the th- Larry is not the you, therapy kind of guy. I was going to ask, do you think that's what Larry did? <laughs> I don't think that's what Larry did. He doesn't strike me as a therapy is good kind of guy. Larry did not, not as far <laughs> as we know, go to therapy. And the crazy thing is we know he has golf clubs, so he could have spent this three months working on his swing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I would have I would have played a lot of golf if I were Larry, especially right. if it's in June. It's nice outside. Go play golf. Sure. And this is in New Jersey. I mean, how hot does it get? But again, it's very important to know Larry was suspended June 22nd, 2017. Larry, however, had a friend, Bill, who got a notice from the Motor Vehicle Commission, the MVC, which I take as like the DMV for New Mm -hmm. Jersey, telling Bill to appear for a pre-hearing conference at the MVC regarding the suspension of his driver's license. And Bill talked to Larry about the suspension. Larry suggested that Bill appeal the suspension, go to the hearing, explain the facts. Maybe the MVC will take some mercy on you and not suspend your license. July 13th, so this is less than a month after his license is suspended, Larry called the MVC. Do you know why? Oh, I'm sure it's not to practice law. (laughs) (laughs) He, I guess, couldn't get a hold of somebody. He left a voicemail asking about rescheduling Bill's hearing. And in the voicemail, he identified himself as Larry Lawyer and left two phone numbers for a call back both of which are associated with Larry's firm. And an MVC employee called back one of the numbers, spoke with someone there, and he took notes that read, called lawyer at 3.20 p.m. July 13, reschedule request as lawyer has full slate in a.m. and cannot make hearing before 1.30 p.m. Attorney Larry Lawyer. 
And the this I'm what? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Larry's a busy guy. <laughs> this MVC employee later testified that he would not have given the person he spoke to any information about Bill's case unless that person had identified himself as Bill's attorney. And the employee did give Larry information about how to reschedule. There's a whole process to follow. But fast forward a few days later, it's hearing day. It didn't get rescheduled. Larry gives Bill a ride to the Trenton NVC for the conference. And apparently the way that this works is only the driver can go back into the hearing area. And if they have an attorney or an interpreter, those people can go. But the MVC doesn't let just anybody back there. You don't get to bring moral support with you. So when he gets there, Bill fills out a form noting that he will be accompanied by an attorney. Now we are going to meet Babs, the true hero of our story. (laughs) Babs at this point is a 12-year MVC employee who is responsible for holding these pre-hearing conferences with drivers and their attorneys. I already have a vision of Babs. <laughs> right? I mean, I love Babs already. <laughs> I do. And you know that she's seen some shit. I was just about to say, she's seen some shit. She doesn't put up with anything. Anything. If there's anybody I don't want to try, it is Babs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the process is that if there's a second person with the driver, Babs asks whether they are an attorney and asks everyone for their ID. And I guess there's a waiting room. Babs called for Bill to come back. Both he and Larry come back. Babs asks, hey, are you attorney? Are you his attorney? (laughs) And Larry says yes. Of course Larry does. Larry. Do you you think this is a problem for Larry? (laughs) Larry. Of course there's a – I sure hope it's a problem for Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Babs is like, great. Takes them back. She asks for ID. Bill hands over his driver's license it's Larry's turn. What do you think Larry, knowing he is suspended from the practice of law, should do here? Oh, the only thing that Larry does here is he hands over his bar card. I mean, we he has to hand over his bar license right now, right? That's what he does. What he should do is run and hide. But what he does is he <laughs> yeah, I hands think what over he should his- do. I think what he should do is get in his car, point it south, and don't yeah. stop driving until you hit Key West. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Larry does not give Babs his driver's license. Instead, he pulls out a business card. Of course he does. <laughs> that business card says, Matthew B. Underwood, attorney at law. No. And Babs is like, I need your driver's license. I can't just take a business card. <laughs> and I can just imagine Larry patting down his pockets and, and being like, it's so weird. I don't have it. Oh, yeah. I must have put in my other suit. <laughs> When Larry tells Babs he doesn't have his license, Babs very helpfully offers to look him up in the MVC computer system using his social security number. (laughs) What do you think Larry should do here? Again, point that car to Key West and go, buddy. (laughs) Get your flip-flops and hit the beach (laughs) because you're done. You need to stop trying to practice law. All the disciplinary review board materials say here is that Larry, quote, declined to provide his social security number. (laughs) So at this point, Larry tells Babs that his driver's license is in his car. He leaves to go get it. 
And you have to imagine that Babs, as a 12-year veteran of the MCV, her spidey senses have to be tingling. I mean, this is just weird, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Bab smokes two packs a day, and she is <laughs> thinking about this during her smoke break the next day. Yes, she absolutely thinks something is up. While Larry is gone, keep in mind, Bill is Larry's friend. They know each other. <laughs> so when Babs asks Bill, hey, how did you find this guy? Bill says, oh, you know, I found him on the internet. I've never been to his office. I just met him at restaurants for lunch and stuff. I was told to call him Matt. And I paid him to come with me to the MVC today. I was told to call him Matt. Right. I mean, who says that? (laughs) What's your name? You may call me JJ. (laughs) (laughs) And the disciplinary review letter here says, quote, Babs found it unusual that an attorney was not forthcoming with identification. At this point, Babs is like, look, it's time to call a manager. So she calls her manager. Larry comes back. Do you think he has his ID? Uh, No, there's no way he has his ID. He is committed to the bit now. So he is committed. (laughs) I can't believe he came back. You had and you could have just left. There were so many exit off-ramps along this stupid scheme at this point. (laughs) Babs' manager is now on the scene, and he asks if Larry, who is claimed to be Matthew B. Underwood, attorney at law, is there on behalf of his own law office or someone else. Now, Larry at this point appears to be on the phone. He's come back, but, you know, he's got his (laughs) cell phone up against his ear. And Larry says he was there on behalf of another firm. And the manager tells Larry, well, look, you need to have them fax a letter of representation for Bill. So, I mean, essentially, we need something that's official Mm -hmm. to show that you're here as this person's attorney and you are who you say you are. Larry says, no problem. He's still on the phone. He wanders off with Bill. Bill comes back alone and basically says, hey, my lawyer doesn't have ID, so I guess we're going to have to go forward without him. Hearing goes forward. Bill gets a reduced suspension, probation, and a fine. That seems like a fine outcome. Larry might have thought that this was all over and done with, but he clearly underestimated the power that is Babs. Yes, Babs has a vengeance. I love Babs. (laughs) (laughs) Babs hops on the old Google machine and searches for Matthew B. Underwood, attorney at law. She finds Matthew Underwood's website. It has a headshot, and it is very clearly not Larry. Larry, do some better catfishing. Like, come on, Larry. (laughs) This is basic. (laughs) Babs also pulls Bill's file and finds that clerk's note that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. and sees Larry's name on that note. So she gets back on the old Google machine, Googles Larry, at which point she finds his website with his headshot. Oh my God, Larry. (laughs) Now, this is CSI Babs at this point because she prints off a copy of Larry's website homepage with his picture and takes it to her manager. (laughs) (laughs) And you can imagine they're both like, what the fuck? (laughs) The next day, the manager emails MCV's own attorneys and you can kind of imagine how it goes from there. Side note, one thing that I found really hilarious here is... I took a look at Larry's website. I Googled him. His website is still up. There is no longer any picture of him on this website. (laughs) (laughs) 
not a one. <laughs> He's a he fraudster like, who me learns. <laughs> he was like, catch me once. You're not going to get me again. <laughs> Another question I'd had for you. Do you think Matthew B. Underwood was just some guy whose face Larry had seen on the side of a bus or that he just met at a happy hour? Yeah, I would hope so. Just some lawyer that he was like, I could be that guy. I could do that guy. That name's pretty sweet. Well, Matt actually showed up to testify at Larry's disciplinary hearing. (laughs) And he said he had known Larry for 20 years. Oh, what a way to pay your friends. (laughs) His firm actually occasionally sent Larry work when the firm had a conflict or its partners were too busy to take on certain matters. Matt also confirmed that, yes, that was his business card that Larry was carrying. (laughs) He had also gone back through his calendar to prove that he was in a workers' compensation court that morning, a hearing there. So there was no way he could have been at the MCV. (laughs) Right. And, of course, he had no idea who Bill was. He testified he hadn't done an MCV case in years. Bill had never contacted him for representation. There's literally no connection there. How do you think Matt Underwood found out about all of this? I'm going to guess that Babs reached out to him. I'm hoping I Babs. I would love it. <laughs> I'm hoping I would Babs love it. reached I out to him. I wish she had. I wish she had picked up the phone and been like, hey, hey, but guy. The universe is not that wonderful. So I'm going to guess he found out when he was subpoenaed to speak at this or to testify at this hearing. Larry told him about the ethics investigation in the fall of 2019, about two years later, and described it as, quote, a big misunderstanding. If you had given me a hundred guesses as to how he found out about that, (laughs) I don't know if I would have guessed that one. (laughs) Can you imagine having to make that phone call and being like, hey, I kind of took your business card and tried to impersonate you down at the DMV, but total misunderstanding, real sorry. Are we cool? (laughs) I mean, you know, Larry was like, listen, I went to hand him my license and I grabbed the wrong card and it was yours. Just big misunderstanding. (laughs) So sorry about that. (laughs) Now, the disciplinary review board noted that, of course, Larry vigorously disputed some facts I really enjoyed this gem. He presented character testimony as to his reputation for honesty from his friend from recreational basketball and his neighbor. (laughs) They're like, he doesn't call a foul in this. He's really been fouled. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a flopper, I promise. Yeah, he he will tell you when that ball is out of bounds. And in the disciplinary hearing, Larry's attorney apparently really zeroed in on the fact that Larry never verbally identified himself as Matthew B. Underwood. Like maybe he just handed over the wrong business card Mm -hmm. and then totally forgot to correct Babs when she offered to look up his social security number. And Larry also claimed that although he knew Bill from recreational basketball, he never represented Bill as Bill's attorney. He claimed he had just shared stories about his own license suspensions. (laughs) Larry denied ever making the call about rescheduling. He said he tried to get back to the hearing room, quote, for his own curiosity to see what took place and to just give moral support. Oh, yeah, as one does, as one does. (laughs) 
outstanding guy. I and might say, he, uh, so far, I love this defense that, well, he never said it because that's like this one trick prosecutors hate if you don't verbally commit right. a crime. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do anything. <laughs> this one trick will save you from discipline, from state bar discipline. <laughs> He also denied giving Babs Matt Underwood's business card. His claim was that Bill must have given Babs the business card. Blame your client 101. It's a right. Re- <laughs> Just a real outstanding. For some reason, Bill has this business card. Yes. And as for the manager asking Larry whether he was there on behalf of his own firm or another or faxing a letter, Larry was like, IDK, I was on the phone. I wasn't paying attention. I can't tell you what happened there. Larry, going back to blaming your client. Larry also, I think, tried to paint Bill as the bad guy. And he did this under the guise of trying to impeach the testimony of the MCV employees by suggesting that they weren't reliable. He introduced a press release from the New Jersey Attorney General regarding something called Operation Stonewall. Do you have any idea what that was? Nope, sure don't. (laughs) I didn't either, but like Babs, I am quite the Googler. Operation Stonewall was an investigation into a ring of guys who allegedly were dealing cocaine and trafficking in untraceable assault rifles known as ghost guns assembled from kits online. And basically, these are guns that don't have serial numbers, they are not registered, and it makes it harder to solve crimes that are committed using them. And by the time of this disciplinary hearing, it is sometime in late 2019, mid to late 2019, the New Jersey AG's office announced in June 2019 that they had indicted Bill and a handful of other guys related to Operation Stonewall. And Larry introduced this. He said he was showing the press release because it had Bill's picture. And the MCV people didn't correctly recall what race Bill was. Look, I'm guessing there's also an undercurrent there of who are you going to believe? The guy who beat the shit out of some girl's car with a golf club or the guy who's been accused of dealing coke and trafficking ghost guns? Where I mean, we're dealing with two upstanding citizens here. And so... (laughs) Well, and honestly, I believe Bill. This man has much more important things going on than handing somebody the wrong business card. He doesn't have time for this. He he needs his driver's license. I was about to say, he's clearly a man with attention to detail. Right. (laughs) The disciplinary committee held its hearing. One of the things they say in their opinion is that they found Larry to be, quote, evasive and combative, clearly self-interested. What, Larry? Evasive and combative? The guy that sued the woman twice that he attacked with a golf club? (laughs) Right. (laughs) They also, and I enjoyed this little piece of shade, regarding that rescheduling phone call that Larry made, they found it incredible and unsupported by any record evidence to conclude that anyone other than respondent made the telephone call, identifying himself as an attorney and leaving his own telephone numbers as the (laughs) callback numbers. (laughs) They also say regarding the basketball buddy and the neighbor who testified about Larry's sterling moral character, they gave little weight to that testimony and essentially didn't even consider it. They found that Larry violated a handful of the rules of professional conduct in New Jersey, including making false statements of material fact to a tribunal, 
a failure to disclose a material fact to a tribunal, knowing that that omission is reasonably certain to mislead the tribunal, knowingly disobeying an obligation under the rules of a tribunal, the unauthorized practice of law, and conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, and misrepresentation. They recommended a one-year suspension. One year? <laughs> the typical range of discipline they found in previous cases was between a one- to three-year suspension with disbarment in really egregious cases. And they looked at a lot. There's a lot of precedent. They looked at a lot of precedent. <laughs> <laughs> So, for example, they imposed a one-year retroactive suspension on an attorney who, after he'd been restrained from practicing law, represented a couple of clients in municipal court. They found that there were mitigating factors, including the attorney's diagnosis of a catastrophic illness, other circumstances that led to the dissolution of his marriage, the loss of his business, and the ultimate collapse of his personal life, including becoming homeless, and in at least one of the instances of his practicing while suspended, his desperate need to provide some financial support for himself. So they were like, okay. Seems like things were really bad and you made some poor choices. We're going to retroactively suspend you. They gave another attorney a three-year suspension who was found guilty of practicing law while suspended in three matters. He filed a false affidavit with the Supreme Court of New Jersey, the the New Jersey Supreme Court, stating that he'd refrained from practicing law during a prior suspension. And he had an extensive disciplinary history. He'd received two reprimands two three-month suspensions, a six-month suspension, and a one-year suspension. So they finally slapped him with a three-year suspension. They also noted that the Supreme Court of New Jersey has signaled an inclination towards progressive discipline and stern treatment of repeat offenders. So now my question for you is, what what do you think about that one-year suspension? Appropriate? Too short? Too long? For me, I'm not bound by precedent. I'm only bound by what I think. And so I think it's way too short for you tried to, you're already there. You are the repeat offender. I mean, (laughs) you have been before the tribunal before and you just tried to lie about it. But that's my feeling. What if I told you this isn't the first time Larry was disciplined for impersonating someone? Shut up. According to the Disciplinary Review Board, and unfortunately, I couldn't find the original materials because I think they're so old, but Larry was disciplined in 1995, and he received a reprimand for violating a bunch of ethical rules, including commission of a criminal act that reflects adversely on a lawyer's honesty, trustworthiness, or fitness as a lawyer, and conduct prejudicial to the administration of justice. He was found guilty of the crime of obstructing the administration of law. That criminal charge was based on an incident where he got pulled over for speeding. Larry really needs a driver. Like, Larry just needs (laughs) (laughs) to give up driving. Driving is complicating Larry's life. Yeah, it's not making his life any easier. But he got pulled over for speeding, and he gave his cousin's driver's license to the police officer who pulled him over. And what I love about this from uh, the Disciplinary Review Board's opinion It says, following persistent questioning by the officer, respondent admitted that he had been using his cousin's license for several weeks because he was afraid of losing his driving privileges based on the number of points that had already been assessed against his license. 
Larry, come on. Well, here's, here's what I love about this. Number one, saying persistent questioning by the officer signals to me that this cop took one look at this driver's yes. license and yes. thought there is no way that these are the same people. And I love that Larry, clearly Larry lives his life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> I mean, he could have just slowed down. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm going to. Do we think he stole the cousin's license or do we think the cousin gave it to him? Do, wait, am I, I, I don't know. There's okay. there's nothing to indicate. In, in, my, mind, pref- in my mind, he stole the license. So. <laughs> no, see, I prefer to indicate. I mean, I prefer to think that he got his cousin to hand over the license and actually carried around thinking this will work. <laughs> I hope his cousin looked nothing like him. It's too bad we don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish I knew. He also was disciplined in 2012 because unrelated to him, this is not an impersonation case. He sued a client after she refused to pay his fee. And then she filed an ethics claim against him. And the settlement of his lawsuit against her required her to write a letter asking to withdraw any ethics complaint she may have filed. And the disciplinary review board found that that interfered with the administration of justice. I mean, right, their job is to police attorneys. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think you're allowed to do that when you settled those kind of claims. Yeah, again, this one trick to get you out of any (laughs) discipline, sue the person who's complaining about you. But here's a quote from the board in the, I believe this was three-month suspension, Respondent has demonstrated a penchant for lack of respect for the administration of justice. He has criminally attempted to evade traffic points by improperly using another's identification, has attempted to use a civil suit to leverage a former client into withdrawing a pending ethics grievance, and has now fled the scene of his violent criminal conduct (laughs) before the police arrived. There is no mitigation to consider. Accordingly, the board determined that respondent's misconduct warrants a three-month suspension to protect the public and to preserve confidence in the bar. I am torn on the one year. I mean, on the one hand, this is somebody's livelihood we're talking about. And so for me, I don't have a backup plan as an attorney. I think that's what kind of fascinates me about these attorney misconduct Mm. cases. No, my feet would be up on OnlyFans like the next day if my license was taken away. (laughs) I don't have an Etsy store to fall back on. (laughs) So I'm always sort of astonished by people who are so casual about it. And when you could have just been cooling your jets for three months, instead it's like, Fuck it. Let's go to the DMV. Like of all things to get in trouble for too, like a traffic ticket. Come on. (laughs) Right. Right. I go back and forth on the one year. Like I said, it's somebody's livelihood. He'll be unable to practice for an entire year. On the other hand, this certainly seems to be somebody who has an extremely lengthy disciplinary (laughs) history at this point. And here I am worrying when I accidentally leave a typo in an email to a client that I'll never work again. (laughs) And we've talked about this before now, like, why do we have imposter syndrome? Like, why? And this could be like an overarching theme, you know, that we one day do an episode just on, but like, look at what's out there. And why do we have imposter syndrome when this guy is impersonating someone else for a traffic ticket? Right. For somebody's license suspension. So Larry is currently suspended from the practice of law. 
We hope that this time he will actually stay home. Although his website is still up and there is nothing to indicate that he's suspended all, you know, I haven't obviously tried to contact Larry through the contact methods (laughs) available on his website, but there's still a form that you can fill out to reach out to him, but hopefully he's just taking it easy for the rest of the year. And then this is neither here nor there, but our friend Bill was sentenced to 14 years in prison back in 2020 related to those gun and drug charges. So Bill also will not be driving for quite some time. It doesn't matter what happens to Bill's license. He's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that is it. Thank you everybody for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed these episodes and we can't wait to get back together with you soon about lawyers behaving badly. Thanks, guys. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, rate us wherever you consume your podcasts. We will see you again next week. 